You're listening to another episode of the Zach Erker Sobe here. Excited to be joined by current NLC Los Angeles fellow. It's LA to LA today. Nick Guthman is here. We'll catch up with him, see how Institute is going about halfway through, and also talk about some of the important political work he is doing. Thanks for tuning in as always. Let's get to it. All right, Nick. So three NLC weekends in the books. What do you think about the experience so far? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, it's been really powerful. I I grew up here in LA and then spent some time in DC where I went to school. And coming back, I really was craving a community of you know progressive thinkers and doers and folks from across different sectors and industries. And um, that has really been an incredible component of the NLC program is just getting to learn and hear from so many different perspectives and folks with different backgrounds who, you know, we do all share generally the same vision for the future of our community here in Los Angeles, um, our city, our town, but also for the rest of the society and stuff. And so it's been really powerful, both in the direct, uh, you know, trainings and what we, the, the content and curriculum, but I think more than anything, just being able to learn from each other and learn from a community of, of, of peers is really uh, such a valuable and unique experience. I've been, I've been really enjoying it. So as someone who's from L.A., how do you answer the question how L.A. has changed over time since you lived here? Well, I grew up in Culver City on the west side, and my city has changed quite a bit. When we when I moved here with my, you know, my parents, um, I was only three years old and there was like two or three restaurants in the entire city. <laughs> and I remember a few times uh, when I was flying back home from school. I was on an airplane and, you know, whoever was sitting next to me on the, on the plane said, oh, well, what, what, what are you flying to L.A. for? I said, oh, well, I grew up in Culver City. And not once, but twice, the person who asked me that same basic question said, oh, they've got really good food in Culver City. <laughs> they've got some great restaurants there. I said, I mean, yeah, they do now. And, and that's great. But um, it hasn't always been that way. And, and I do think that the way the city has grown, um, you know, both from a growth of of industries and different kind of you know uh from restaurants to more i think art and Mm -hmm. the ways that the city has grown in a beautiful way i think at the same time the city has grown in not such a beautiful way and people are being displaced and people uh, are finding it harder and harder to make ends meet in the communities that they grew up in Um, and i think it's a real challenge and it's not an la specific challenge but it may be, you know, heightened and amplified here. And I think that folks within New Leaders Council are some of the people who are really on the cutting edge trying to find solutions to make sure that this this place that we call home is a place for all of us, um, no matter how much money is in our wallet, no matter our race, gender, background, uh, or anything like that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the, the mix of fellows tends to be diverse in terms of what folks do. So you have educators, you have folks in the entertainment industry, healthcare, nonprofit, but you kind of bring that political uh, expertise and political brain. love to uh, give you a chance to tell folks what you do for a living and why you've ch- chosen to make that your career so far. Thank you. Yeah. So it's been really great to kind of get different perspectives again from folks who are in different sectors, but um, I grew up uh, in a very political household. Both of my folks are union organizers, um, my parents, and they've done that their whole lives and, and always kind of instilled a sense of uh, social justice and political action in our family. And so it's just always kind of felt like a part of my identity. And I believe that politics still, 
although it, <laughs> my belief in this is swindling a little bit, but I do think it's a way that we can make a lot of good things happen, um, especially at the local level. And that politics is one of the toolboxes, certainly not the only tool we have in the toolbox, but one of the ways that we can make a big change. And so for my work, I, I consider myself to be a political consultant um, and I work you know, only on the progressive side, so supporting democratic candidates and uh, kind of progressive issue issues. And one of the biggest projects I've had the chance to work on and, and really has become kind of my full-time job, my, my primary client, you could say, um, is a project that I started with some friends from school who um, all of us were kind of activists and, and trying to get involved in college. And then when Trump was elected in 2016, um, a lot of our friends who had never been political before decided that they wanted to get involved too. And so they started asking us political folks, well, what can we do? How can we get started? How can we get involved? And we didn't know what to tell them. We didn't have a you know, clear cut way to plug in for folks who had never done anything in the political arena before. And so one conversation led to the next, led to the next. We started bringing together some kind of young political activists and we decided that there may be space for a new type of organization that could really help to uh, mobilize on and, and take action with folks who had never um, been involved before. So we started what's now called Blue Future, and it's a political action committee and 501c4 nonprofit where we pay and train people to be involved in democratic campaigns and issue advocacy campaigns. And then we connect them with opportunities to get involved on the campaigns, whether that's phone banking uh, into different districts uh, for different political electoral campaigns, or whether that's you know helping to recruit for some sort of action around reproductive justice or racial justice or environmental justice um, and getting involved on the issues that really mobilize young voters. So we, we target particularly young people um, and diverse young folks across race and, and across geography um, to try to build a, a youth political movement, try to contribute to the growing progressive youth movement in America and making sure that, again, we are paying people and we're giving this opportunity to folks um, who maybe otherwise wouldn't. And, and we've learned over time the importance of making sure that political opportunities are equitable and accessible to all. And that sometimes means paying people and other times that means getting creative with how we train and you know thinking about um, asynchronous trainings for folks who have to work more or who have class or who have to take care of things at the house, you know? Um, and so it's been a lot of fun and we've learned a lot and we're grateful to have networked with a lot of young leaders. And really I see the work that Blue Future does as kind of a stepping stone into a program like the New Leaders Council, where we're able to try to open that door for folks who are a little bit younger, who are in high school and college. And then hopefully they stay committed and we help them stay committed to a career in social change, whether that is through politics, education, healthcare, et cetera, just like uh, you know, the values of, of New Leaders Council. We come back with Nick. We'll talk a little bit more about the work of Blue Future and what he might predict for upcoming midterm elections, which are more and more top of mind for folks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Yeah, Nick and Wedge brought up young people participating in the political system, whether it's on issues or supporting candidates, because I feel like we're seeing more and more headlines about a lack of enthusiasm or a lack of satisfaction with the current administration and how it's delivered on issues that are very relevant to, to youth, whether that's canceling student debt or uh, climate change or things like that. Do you hear and see the same kind of 
lack of enthusiasm or are you more encouraged than maybe the newspaper headlines would lead us to believe? I'm a little bit more encouraged in the newspaper headlines while acknowledging the fact that we need to see more progress on the issues that young folks care about. Um, as you mentioned, from student debt to climate justice to racial justice and kind of police reform and rethinking public safety um, to healthcare, uh, which still remains top of mind for us young folks um, as we see our parents having to deal with the health insurance system and, um, and also as we, some of us, you know, move off of uh, our parents' health insurance and then realize how expensive it is. And I mean, the list goes on. So we need to see more action. But at the same time, I, I try to remain a little bit more hopeful than the headlines predict. And I think the reason for that is because I had the opportunity and privilege to meet so many people who believe in their own ability to make a difference in the political mm -hmm. system. I get to work with so many students who have made a commitment to themselves, to their families, to the community to go out and do something about it. Because sure, we can read the headlines and we can say, you know, uh, that enthusiasm is down, but what are we gonna do about it? How are we gonna take action to try to bring that enthusiasm up? How are we gonna try to build the political power to make sure that these student loans are forgiven um, and canceled? And how are we gonna build the political power as our friends at the Sunrise Movement have been working on to pass a version of the Green New Deal or something that brings us closer to that um, to show that, you know, Democrats are delivering. And the Democrats have done some really great things, um, you know, uh, over the last two years, but uh, maybe that hasn't been visible enough. So we need trusted messengers. We need folks who look like us, who talk like us, who are using the social media platforms that we spend our time on as, uh, you know, Gen Z and millennials to be able to spread that message. So I'm a little bit more hopeful, but I I acknowledge and I am, you know, very much interested in finding ways to um, change those headlines uh, because it, it is a dominant theme and folks are discouraged um, and we have to do something about it. And the good thing is we can, we can do something about it. We can take action, we can get involved and so on. You know, last thing, I, I'm glad you mentioned that what you're doing is a PAC because I feel like our sort of initial reaction to PACs is to think about the Koch brothers and these kind of big super PACs that just dump billions of dollars into our system. But, you know, the way you're organizing with the PAC sounds exactly what people would want to see that money go towards. Have you run into that kind of challenge with that concept, that idea, or has it actually been pretty smooth sailing, getting people bought into it? That's a really good question. And it wasn't like we woke up one morning and said, we're starting a PAC. That's what we want to do. <laughs> right. Like that. I don't think that was, um, you know, my dreams growing up. But what we learned as we started to research, well, what types of organizations exist in terms of supporting young progressives and getting involved in politics, we found that there was a gap in the directly political space. Mm -hmm. We found that most of the organizations work in a nonpartisan way to either register voters or advocate for different issues. And those groups do fantastic work. They need more funding. They need to be strengthened and, and expand their impact. But we thought that there was an opportunity um, you know, really looking at uh, the, the current ecosystem to build something different that could do and function in a different way than most of the organizations that currently support young people getting involved in politics. So that's why we decided to start a PAC so that we could be partisan um, and, and have a space for folks who wanted to be uh, upright in their values and support candidates that they believe in 
um, we thought that there was space for that. And, and so far, we've, we've found that to that hypothesis to be true as we've continued to grow, you know, year after year and, and build more relationships with other organizations and campaigns and be able to partner with these groups. Whereas some of our partners in the space can do certain things that we cannot do because of their legal status and vice versa. We can do certain things that they can't. So that becomes actually a, a more powerful movement um, and collaboration. And, and I think uh, it's been really wonderful to see how that has come together. Um, and, you know, at the same time, if the other side is going to use some of these tactics to support candidates and campaigns, um, we we have to play hardball, I think, at some level. We have to try to fight back. And, and there is a, a negative connotation with PACs and super PACs. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we are just doing our, our best and doing what we can to support candidates who we believe will fight for all of us who will pass legislation that will improve all of our lives. Um, again, no matter where we live, how much money we make, our race, our gender, our sexual identity, and so on. So um, I appreciate the question. And, uh, you know, we're continuously excited to find new ways to expand the uh, collaborations that PACs can have with other kind of nonprofits, 501c3s, C4s. And then last thing, if folks want to get involved, what's the best way to support your work? Yeah, so um, folks are welcome to visit our website, which is ourbluefuture.us, O-U-R, ourbluefuture.us. We've got ways for folks to get involved uh, on the website, take action uh, locally in, in your neighborhood, um, certainly invite people to donate to support the work to make sure that young folks uh, are able to get involved and all of the funds that we raise for the most part go directly to paying students to be trained in political and community organizing. And then folks can follow us on social media at Blue Future Now, at Blue Future Now across uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, so glad you're on. We'll drop all that information into the episode description. Make sure to catch all episodes that have been dropping in the last couple of weeks. We've been putting up a bunch at all the places you get your podcasts and like and follow us on Instagram at the Zag Podcast. That's where we spend most of our time posting things. We'll drop some more episodes later in the week, so stay tuned. And until next time, then, we will catch you soon.